My name is Chris Bear and welcome to Saturday at Freeze Rangers season review. And joining me to go through us is first of all Tom. Tom, how you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Chris. All good, mate. How are you? Yeah, mate, I'm I'm feeling much better this week. Uh, under the weather a wee bit last week, which is why I was absent from the podcast, but feeling much better this week. Thanks for asking. And joining Tom and I is finally Kenny. Kenny, how are you, mate? Are you happy to finally put a lid on this season? I am, yes. And here's me thinking you were watching the Europa League final last night, but apparently you were not well. Is that right? No, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was both. Let's just say it was both. I fear, by uh, the way. I fucking wish I was on last night because that was a horrific game of football. That was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. Well, can I tell you something very quickly? Mm-hmm. I watched the first half, did the pod uh, for today's pod last night, obviously, and watched the second half, watched the extra time, and my recording cut out with five minutes of the extra time to go. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Mid- midnight last night, and I'm giving it, you have got to be kidding me. So you actually missed literally the only good bit about it, which was the pen. Correct, I did, yes. Yeah. I enjoyed right. the whole thing. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, superb. Well, Kenny, things are only going to get much better. We're talking about Rangers season um, that has finally uh, came to an end. The cup and came up, or the cup went down, sorry, um, when Rangers beat St. Martin 3-0 in um, Paisley. Uh, a pretty, I did listen to the pod, actually, believe it or not. Um, I think you as well. Um, Far more positive than I ever would have been, so probably a good thing not to have heard me on that pod because I just it, it, there is no positives uh, for for last season at all. I don't see how there can be. Um, well, there is a few, obviously the, the Champions League, but I'm talking about on the whole, especially domestically. Um, we can talk about the ninety odd points that we we got all we want, um, and we can also talk about how that's good enough to win, you know, maybe eighteen of the last twenty odd titles, um, which is true. But when we're looking at a complete and utter rebuild and we're looking down the barrel of another Celtic treble, um, I just, I, I can't, I genuinely can't take any any positives at, uh, whatsoever. Um, yeah, maybe Cantwell Raskin, but as usual, as we'll come to, I think they arrived far too late. Um, obviously, you can look at Michael Beale's record, I think it's been good, but when the games that really mattered, he's lost. Um, so I think we've still, we've still got a lot of work to do um, and we have to be... We have to be honest with ourselves about what happened last season, I think, and we have to look ourselves in the mirror. And we have to, you know, not so much ask the questions anymore because the scrutiny has been um, done and we've got change. But change certainly was needed, in my opinion. Um, But last season had the potential to be a really good season. Um, And for, well, I was going to say for whatever reason, I think I know the reasons. I think you guys will probably agree with the reasons. But for, for the reasons that, that um, we, we will inevitably come to in this podcast. Um, it was just a complete and utter shit show, mistake after mistake, on and off the park. Um, and it's honestly, I've I've endured a lot of seasons. Obviously, a lot of poor seasons being a Rangers fan, especially the last kind of ten years. That one was one that I am so so glad it's over. Um, and to be optimistic, I, I I am genuinely looking forward to the new season, but um. It's with a, a huge tinge of um, caution because, as I say, we need a full rebuild. So I'm just awaiting uh, to, to, to see the full list of players who will leave. And also we're waiting on the full list of players who's actually going to come in. So I'm going to kind of reserve my um, optimism a wee bit just until I've got a kind of clearer picture. But certainly for me, um, it, it's, this season should should definitely be a lot better than, than last season. So, Kenny, that's me kind of summarising it there um, with, with my kind of opinion. I know you'll disagree with some parts of it, you'll, you'll wholly agree with some of it, but how would you summarise it? Because we'll, we'll obviously break it down into sections. Um, I'm going to break it down into kind of geo from July to August 31st and then September to the World Cup, geo sacked post-World Cup with Bill. February to April, and then we'll kind of round it off in May. So, um, without kind of going around the houses, we will kind of break that up. So, Kenny, just a kind of couple of minutes summary for you. Well, as, as I said last night on the pod, I would put it as a season of two halves. Um, I thought the first half of the season, it was a weird one, but we started reasonably well. Um, and very quickly, it turned to mush, I'll call it that. Um, and you... I, I, I thought you could see the writing was on the wall really early that things weren't right with the team. Um, 
And it got to that point in November where we all knew Gio had to go. I think I think there was no other option but to uh, look at the the situation and say that this isn't working. It's not going to work. Um, my main concern at that point was it's something that you don't see very often at Rangers, but the players kind of appeared to down tools uh, under Gio. I thought or Gio and his management team. Um, Michael Beale came in, uh, started to steady the ship. We started to score more goals. I noticed um, still wasn't right. Um, I tend to agree with what you said there about Michael Beale coming in and having steadied that ship, but those big games that he had to win. He hasn't really done that yet, but I'm quite optimistic for the for the, for the, for next season, for the future. Um, I, I've got to be honest, I think that Michael Beale has, has managed to get uh, that away form that was clearly diabolical. Uh, away form was absolutely horrific under uh, Van Bronckhorst. So uh, that certainly improved. Up to a point, uh, we've still got to, you know, uh, accept the fact that we went up to Aberdeen a, a few weeks ago and got our backsides handed to us in the second half. That's not good enough. Um, but overall, uh, very, very disappointing. Uh, kind of inevitable, I thought. Very much uh, the, the fact that I think most of us, uh, the majority of the support, seeing the writing was on the wall, early bells, we'd... Uh, We've seen it in the Champions League. We've seen the conference. We've seen the fragile uh, or lack of conference or uh, the fragility of that squad and that team uh, and the tactics. Uh, just an absolute disaster. And that's in a European sense where I had went into it with great optimism, having knocked out uh, Union saint Galois and uh, PSV Eindhoven, obviously. I thought we... Being being realistic, I didn't expect to get through the group. I did expect to finish last, but I didn't expect to be quite so humiliated um, as we were. Uh, but overall, Chris, the the season's been a a strange one where you pick up ninety two points uh, and never look like winning a league. And I think that's more to do with the quality of the opposition in this league than how good we were over the course of the season, to be honest. I thought we were bang average all season, to be fair. I think that's the way I would put it, Chris. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Tom, how would you sum it up? I wasn't supposed to follow that. <laughs> just say I agree or disagree. <laughs> I, whatever, exactly everything Kenny just said. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think as a, as a club, you know, from, from top to bottom, we failed again to, you know, to capitalise on a position, on a fair position of strength. To, to go into into the season as defeated finalists in, in a European final and fail and fail to strengthen that, then to get to the Champions League and just fail again, I think it was just, it was a lack of management. So this team's gone back. We need to we need to improve. Like we haven't got money right. We need to clear the debts. Protect the losses. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it was just a shambles, really. But again, it's small small shoots. You know, we're, we're through the worst of it. We reap the benefits. And cliches, and you've got. You've got experience to shape this to experience, you know, to truly appreciate the good way. I just uh, certainly hope we are through the, the worst of it um, because it's kind of, it was almost a light bulb moment for me or a kind of sliding doors moment, whatever, whatever way you want to put it this season. It was just, do you know what, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of losing. Uh, I'm sick of no winning. I'm sick of watching the same players do the same thing over and over. Um, I'm sick of seeing weak mentality um, and you know, if if you were to give me a blank script and tell me to write an unsuccessful Rangers season with this team, I would have uh, I would have written it exactly how it played out. You know, the games that really mattered, we failed in. Um, we then flourish in the games that don't matter, and that's happened all too often, and that now needs to stop. And I hope it does. But look, we'll start with kind of July to August thirty first. Obviously, big players left, Bassi um, and Naribo, uh, get big money for them. Um, but, Kenny, you talked out there about uh, kind of early warning signs. The early warning signs for me was the season had just finished, and about two or three weeks after the season finished, Celtic had signed Jota and Carter Vickers. Um, and they then, obviously, added Aaron Moy, um, Benjamin Segrist. Um, now, you're probably wondering why I'm bringing that up, but the reason I'm bringing that up is because we... Um, at the exact same time, 
added nobody. Um, we sat on our arse and waited and waited and waited and waited. Um, and for me, that coincided with trying to sell Bassey. Now, Bassey, I've, I believe the, the plan was to sell him as soon as possible. And the fact that Bassey started pre-season uh, almost was kind of, it went against the plan. So there was no plan B there. And I think it was no coincidence that the minute Bassey left, a flurry of players arrived. So at a big club, you just can't do that. You just cannot do that. You cannot sit and wait. You cannot sit on a plan A and hope that just comes to fruition as soon as you would like because there's so many external factors. Um, the Bassey deal happened when the Bassey deal happened and Rangers had to be prepared for that. And quite simply, we weren't. And sitting about waiting whilst our rivals are spending 15, 16, 17 million, for me, the writing was on the wall at that very point. And I said as much, this isn't the, the benefit of hindsight. And obviously, you know, social media being social media, I got a hell of a lot of abuse for it. But this isn't a, I told you so. This was just, uh, th- this is just very much, everyone's observations are different to how they see things. And it doesn't merit abuse. Um, and I suppose in a way, what I'm maybe saying is that kind of reflected the absolute overconfidence of the Rangers support because we were Europa League finalists and we didn't actually need to strengthen as much as perhaps we absolutely had to. Um, would you agree with that, Kenny? Yes, I would actually, yeah. Uh, but what I would say about that is um, you said there was no plan B. There was no plan, Chris. Um, the the randomness of our signings... Um, there's only one person to blame for that. We know who it is, and he's away. So good riddance to bad rubbish. Um, he's his signing policy was utterly, utterly uh, not fit for purpose. Put it that way. Um, to to replace uh, what is he? Bassy six one six two, and what seventeen stone a solid muscle with. A five foot three or whatever size Yilmaz is, and that's no disrespect to Yilmaz, but you've got to replace like for like to a certain degree. Um, and we, he, it was just a complete random bag of randoms uh, our signings in the summer, and that that worried me as well. Uh, you can see it instantly already with Michael Beale taking charge of the signings. That uh, you, obviously we've got uh, Sterling and Dowlin already. Uh, before their contracts are even finished, we've announced them, uh, and Butlin's another one. Uh, there's a there's a proper structure to the plan that we have uh, under Michael Beale instantly, which was abundantly clear from the minute Ross Wilson got to the our football club that there was no structure to our signing policy. Um, we've discussed this guy, uh, and I'm not going to go. I don't particularly want to go over him again. Uh, I'm try to get to your point and say, was that a major concern for me? Uh, not particularly at the time, but with hindsight, yes, obviously. Uh, but I've gotten, I had no faith in Ross Wilson to, to sign the right players for us. Um, and the simple fact is that by the time uh, our season started or the transfer window closed, our squad was weaker. Uh, this season than it was last season. There's just no getting away from that. When you're selling uh, Nathan Patterson, Calvin Bassey, Joe Aribo, uh and not replacing them with the same kind of quality, quality then you are going to struggle. Um, particularly with the physical side, you know, the physical aspect of Bassey and, and Aribo, we didn't replace that at all. Uh, so we were a bit lightweight, a bit uh, flimsy at the back. Um, so no, no, it didn't. Um, it didn't overly concern me at the time, Chris, because uh, I was fully expecting us to get the twenty plus for Calvin Bassey. I expected to get, us to get double what we got for Joe Aribo, uh, and that instantly that idea, that notion that you take six million and a and a sell on for Joe Aribo uh, has affected our plans right away. Um, in terms of signings, it's a ridiculous thing to do, not back uh, or not get the extra six million pounds or so that we should have got. That's that's three decent squad players, um, three players that could have done a job for us and we, that we couldn't get. It's um, yeah, blame Ross Wilson for that, Chris. That's what I would say. 
I will. I can agree with you. Well, in fact, I do agree with you, Kenny. It's uh, you know we've been over Ross Wilson so much that there's there's just no value in it now. But obviously, um, you're you right that he, he was to blame for this just horrific strategy that that he fought up um, in the summer when it came to recruitment. I don't understand it then. Don't understand it now. It's all going to be ripped up again this season. So that kind of points to. I feel we all, how many of the players that Ross Wilson signed will actually still be here getting into the next season. I'm not too sure. There's obviously some talk about Cholak and obviously uh, Matondo. Um, it's uh, Davis as well. So it's uh, it's it was look. This isn't a, this isn't about Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Um, it's I don't want to make it about that, but that's why I will say. Um, Obviously, when it comes to Giovanni van Bronckhorst, I know he wasn't perfect, but uh, I will always say he was shafted because when you look at that messy transfer window in the summer and then you look at the messy transfer window in January, um, he just did not have a fair crack at a whip when you consider how much money he made. Uh, obviously, with players leaving, as you mentioned, Kenny Patterson, Bassi and Aribo, uh, Giovanni van Bronckhorst made more money for Rangers than any other manager in their history when it came to transfers. And then you look at the Europa run, you look at the Champions League, the amount of money that guy made us to the to the return that he got uh, was just pitiful. It was quite frankly embarrassing. Um, and as you say, it points to one man. Um, Tom, to kind of highlight the season that actually happened in this period, obviously, uh, we beat USG 3-2 after, after being beat 2-0 in the first leg. We turned that around. We didn't take as much credit for that um, as we probably now reflect back on that we should because USG went all the way to the quarterfinals of Europa League. They're going to be in the Champions League again this year, it looks like. We could potentially play them again because they're having another good season in Belgium. Um, so, in hindsight, that itself was a fantastic turnaround um, and the players deserve great credit for that. Um, we're into the PSV game, sort of, we hope more than expectation, I would I would say, because I, I certainly wasn't expecting Rangers to knock out PSV. I was just happy we got to that stage, we, kind of a, a stage better than we'd got the previous year, obviously, with Malmo. Um, I was just wanting to my Thursday night kind of Europa League games, um, and then an unexpected victory happened. We got to the Champions League for the first time in over a decade. Uh, absolutely tremendous. Again, hindsight being a wonderful thing. I would have much rather the Europa League now, knowing what I know now, but at that point, Tom, Champions League football in the back of Europa League final, when you consider that when Walter got us to the UEFA Cup final, um, we were knocked out of Europe entirely before the, before the schools went back. Um, it was some achievement when you put it like that, when you really look at it like that. And this isn't me, again, this isn't a Giovanni Van Bronckhorst propaganda thing here. That, that, I, I, give the, I give credit to the players as well, um, to a what they achieved over a kind of three-month period, well, it was probably a five-month period, navigating their way through to a Euro- European final and then following that up with Champions League qualification. It's probably one of the greatest European runs in Scottish football history. Um, it's when you consider the modern-day financial implications, um, I mean, obviously, I would have much, much, much rather the, the Europa League trophy. Of course I would, but this was a pretty decent... Um, Consolation price, Tom? Yeah, and I think I, as much as the rest of the fans, I assume is the wrong word, expect us to get to the, the Champions League because, you know, we've just got to the Europa League final. This is this is progression, but we'll get to the Champions League. But that's uh, hindsight. So hindsight is a wonderful thing. Maybe it's a long term, especially even players' mentality. You know, if you're not getting humiliated in Europe, you know, you're not going into the league, that hanging over you, you know, that's a way of it as well. You know, I appreciate when we talk about Europe at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd just, just be happy with the happy with the Champions League, but Europa would have been. Kenny, so obviously me and Tom uh, touched upon the the European um, success, and that that is genuinely uh, for me the only success of the season, whether it's domestic or European. But if we go back, just kind of flip back to domestic here, we round off, you know, the kind of July to August thirty first period, pretty pretty good shape you know we're only two points behind we dropped two points at Hibs but albeit we're nine men and that was a last minute goal a bit of a killer um, bit of kicking the balls out but I wasn't too worried domestically because I thought you know we're only two points behind so no fun game coming up um, the Champions League qualification was a massive bonus there's no way on earth that the Rangers board um, budgeted for, for Champions League qualification so in 
interview after PSV, Gio was very excited about the potential of maybe one or two. The fact that the manager was excited about that suggests that he knew that we needed maybe one or two. Um, the Rangers fans started getting a bit excited. There wasn't many names flung about, in fairness, but we, I think we were all thinking to ourselves, why not? We've got, we've just banked money um, that we maybe didn't expect. The ticket prices are then released for the Champions League game, the Champions League games. It's the highest uh, ticket prices that the Champions League can actually, that the Champions League actually authorised to be charged. So it's the highest ticket package in Scottish football in history. We battle outrage with that, but Rangers fans again were thinking to ourselves, right? But it's fine, we'll pay it as we always do, because there's no way they're not going to get a new player here. Um, the window slams shut, Kenny, and we don't get a new player. We've just spent the best part of over a hundred and twenty odd quid. Some some people paid far far more than that, obviously, um, right into the hundred and fifty to the two hundred range um, for a free match package. We've just got Champions League football for the first time in decades. Where we're told it's millions and millions and millions. It's a big, massive pot of gold. And um, we're expecting at least one new player to come in. Um, and a couple of days before the Old Fun game, uh, which happened at the start of September, which coincided with a, cu- a couple of days after the window shot, Stuart Robertson basically comes out and treats us like idiots and says, oh, the money for, that you get for the Champions League isn't as much as you think. So why... I know you don't have the answer to this, Kenny, but why did he let us think that and actually no nip that narrative in the bud? He was quite happy to go along with that because there's no way on earth he thought we were going to get Champions League. And the, and this is the this is a crazy thing about this. Again, this is a bit conjecture. This is this is my opinion, but I, I genuinely believe there's something in this. The Rangers board shot themselves because we had a good bit of success and they didn't know how to deal with it, and they treated us like idiots. And that, again, for me, you want to talk about writing on the wall, that was the writing on the wall for Robertson. He was already on a shaky peg with the whole beanbag situation in the Europa League final. But for me, the way he reacted to a very, very, very positive thing by telling us to basically shut up, we don't understand, and you're not getting a new player, and just pay your money, um, we're well rid of him. Yeah, we are. Um, what I would say about it, Chris, I... I I've thought about this long and hard, actually, why um, our football club, since uh, we came back into the Premier League, actually, uh, our board, our board, plural, if you want to do, you know, do the whole thing, uh, have have actually sat and and told us that the, the, the Champions League is the holy grail. That's when we will know we're back, when you hear that music. Now, that's kind of been a mantra for, for Rangers for a number of years. Um, and here's my kind of hunch or my take on it about Stuart Robertson, uh, and it's why I, I suggest partly why he's out of a job and partly why uh, he had to come out and say what he said about the Champions League not being all it's cracked up to be financially or whatever way you put it, was I don't think he knew that it was done on a ranking, you know, the financial side of it's done in a ranking system. And I don't think he realised that we were ranked 31st out of the 32 teams. Therefore, we were going to get the second lowest uh, percentage of the the Champions League group stage pot. Uh, I don't think he knew that at all. Uh, And it was only when we got there that he was told, no, you're not getting... 30 million or 35 million or whatever the fee or the figure was that was quoted. I, I, I think it was 18 or something, wasn't it, that we, we got? Um, and that just shows you the the, 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 the kind of the nature of the guy, if you if you want, where uh, he sat there for years talking about how this would be the, the holy grail, this would be where Rangers would prove it to everybody that we were back for a moment to have to turn around and literally dangle a carrot and take it back and it just shows you you know last season on the park off the park that that's that's the kind of situation that has become utterly unacceptable uh to just about everybody in the support you can't do that to people you can't charge them 60 pound a ticket for a champions league tie for your manager to turn around and say, well, what do you expect? We can't compete at this level. We don't have the players. And for your managing director to turn around and say, it's not always cracked up to me financially. Just wind your neck in. You'll not get any players. Uh, I, I, 
I'm being a, a slightly facetious, but you know what I mean. But that it was basically that's the way it felt to us that that was the way we were being spoken to. And uh, nah, um, the the Champions League. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Was an unmitigated embarrassment and a disaster, Chris. And uh, it 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 kicked off uh, as that before a ball was kicked with Stuart Robertson uh, and the way he behaved with that and, you know, no players coming in. I I, I remember saying on this podcast that um, we must be the only club I can ever recall anywhere in Europe that gets the money for the Champions League group stage um, by qualifying and doesn't strengthen the squad. I've never known anything like it and it was just utterly deflating and just kind of summed us up at that point, Chris, it really did. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. Um, Tom, kind of September to the World Cup break, this is where the season just fell apart. The wheels well and truly came off. Celtic scudded us 4 not at Parkhead. Livingston took a point off us at Ibrox. St. Johnson beat us at McDermott Park. St. Mundrew was in Paisley, that which turned out to be Gilles' last game. There was an injury crisis that was as long as I've ever seen at Ibrox. It was easily the worst injury crisis in our history. Uh, Gio, uh, one game, I, I think it was one, I, I, I can't remember the opposition, but it was one game at Ibrox. Every new signing was on the bench. So it was the same team of players that he'd known the previous year, despite signing, you know, seven or eight players. Um, it was, at this point of the season, is, is what really. Um, this is where our season ended with this run of form, dropping obviously um, 10 points uh, to Celtic, Livingston, St Johnson, St Mirren. Um, for me, uh, I was a big advocate of a Gio. I, I felt that it was the players that had to go no Gio. I felt Gio deserved another season purely because of the miracle that he performed with the Europa League with the same players. But for me, I have to say... Um, First of all, I know it's not realistic to get rid of a whole team yet. We are going to try this summer. But um, that St. Johnson game, um, and by the way, how could I miss the embarrassing Champions League campaign? 7-1 at home, you know, 3-0 here, 4-0 there. Ridiculous. Um, but for me, the the end uh, for Gio was the St. Johnson game. That I have n- never seen a team... Uh, almost literally flinging in the towel. Um, they down tooled, they downed tools, sorry, right in front of our eyes. Summed up with Lundstrom making a shit pass and then literally stopping to moan at somebody for no receiving his shit pass and then St Johnson score. Players crossing the ball, cross after cross after cross after cross. Um, it was caught, I think that was a game we had about 25 corners and I'm not even exaggerating. And I just remember, I remember saying to my mate, um, look, we can blame Gio for this all we want, but when players can't cross a ball into the box and get on the end of it, what, what more can the manager do? Um, and that's no from open play, that's from literally from a corner, so you are going to cross it, you know what I mean? And it was just, it was one of the worst individual and team performances I have ever seen from a Rangers team. And that's when I was like, they're playing to get him the sack. And they ultimately got what they wanted, because they did. That's what they wanted. Um, and it was at that point I was done with them. And, I, and, and I'm on record for that, by the way. I'm, I'm on this podcast to say so. After that St. Johnson game, I'm done with every single one of them. It doesn't matter. So it's a wee bit of exaggeration. I'm not done with every single one of them, obviously. There's a very few have got this kill, and I think the other ones actually deserve to. But the vast majority of them, I'm done with them. Um, and... It didn't matter what they'd done from here on in. I, I wouldn't give them another chance um, because I knew there was another there was another crash coming. Uh, it was just a matter of time, and we'll obviously come to it. But that was one that was a dark day to be a Rangers fan. And people might think I'm maybe being overly dramatic here, but that it genuinely was a really, really horrible, horrible day at McDermott Park. Tom, do you remember it being as bad as I'm describing, or, or am I just being completely over the top here? I was trying to block it out, to be honest, but um, yeah, we, we were. <laughs> you, you gave me. A, I, I need therapy. I need like therapy now. Um, yeah, we we were awful, and I think it's a blessing that Scott, that the rest of the team in Scottish football, yourself and your part, are abysmal. Otherwise, it would have been so much worse. I think the draws would have been into defeats very quickly. You know that that team just had not. I don't know if they were playing to get to get Gio the sack, or if they're just that utterly bereft of confidence. Again, it's a simple thing, right? 
It's for me, if that is the if that is the case for me, Tom, they can't even do the simple things right. They're bereft of confidence and they can't beat a shocking St Johnson team. Why they why would they win over Chelsea? Um it was I just well, obviously for me it was it, it was the end of Geo that game. I know he kinda survived a couple of weeks after that, but for you, did you see the writing on the wall for Geo after that? Yeah. Fans are turned on. Yeah. As you said, we'll see what happens this season, but you cannot sack a team of players. But you can't sack a manager. Something had to give. Obviously, yeah, we can talk about how much he was shafted in, in the summer and, and the transfer windows by not getting support that he deserved. But something had to change. And I saw Kenny were riding solo now. Obviously, um, as the listeners will probably um, have heard, Tom had some technical issues, so it's just me and you. So, Tom has done a kind of Tom Lawrence. He made a decent start, but then he's just faded away. Fucking with no something. Typical this season. There. I think, obviously, bringing up that St. Johnson game must have done it for Tom. He's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. <laughs> I know, I know. I uh, feel sorry for Tom. That was awkward, awkward for him. Yeah, no, he's, he's dropping he's having... in and out all the time. He's having some difficulties with it, right? so it's just you're, you're stuck with me and Kenny. Listeners, if you've made it this far, um, obviously, I, I don't mean you've not made it this far because of Tom, I just mean you've made it this far listening to a recap of this season. Um, Kenny, obviously, back to the, the St. Johnson game, I'll, I'll ask you your opinion on it. Obviously, I would, I, I don't know if I was a wee bit dramatic with that or over-dramatic. I genuinely believe what I, what I said and... I'll stick to my guns in that until the end of days. But for for you, was it was it that shameful for you, or do you think I'm overreacting? No, I don't. I don't think you're overreacting, Chris. But the crazy thing about it was that I remember that game really quite vividly. See, the first fifteen minutes, we should have been about five nothing up. Um, we missed yeah. chances. We had what was it? Was it not something crazy like eleven corners in the first nine minutes or something? Honestly, mate, we must have been close to thirty corners that whole game. I uh, we were, but it was the first fifteen minutes. We had something like you know a corner a minute or something like that. It was incredible. Um, I don't, I don't think that was the game. Was it the Livingston game where we had seventy odd crosses? Yep. Um, yep. That period, uh, the individual games. Uh, yeah, we were poor. There's no getting away from that. But that St Johnston game, see, to be honest with you, Chris, I, I had made my mind up with Geo uh, domestically. Uh, before that, I, I just thought we were um, we were all right at home usually under Geo. Got to be fair to him in that sense, but he, he seemed to really struggle to get a result away from home a lot of the time. Um, and at, for me personally, I, I, I just thought a, a change was always going to happen. Um, and I know you like him. Uh, I, I like the guy as well. I thought he, he, he actually did a reasonable enough job for us. Well, uh, Kenny, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to crack it. Out. I, I wasn't planning on doing this, but uh, um, you've just reminded me of something. I came up with a statistic for you. Uh, the other day, real. Um, uh, Geo managed 42 league games, so out of the 42 league games, there was 126 points available, um, and he he achieved 95 points at 126. It's yeah, I mean that that's where a squad of players that you know we know what they've done to us. You know, I mean um, we know why they're no longer going to beat Rangers. And that's how I'll always come to Again, I don't want to make this about Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, but that's why I'm all, my argument will always be, if we gave that guy money to bring in his own players, that would have been a fair judgment on him. If we give if we gave Gio the summer we're about to give Bill, I think it would have been a different story. Um, I, I, genuine, I genuinely do. I think the players that we had got too comfortable. I think they weren't able to do what Gio wanted to do. Gio style of play, um, listen, it was no great, especially for a Dutchman, but um, it was it was effective enough to win football matches, and that statistic there alone, 95 points at 126 points, certainly suggests so, and that was always kind of my worry, you know, we're, we're getting rid of a guy who, I get the aesthetics on the great, you know, the optics, if you will, the, the football was really shit, but it was... Unbelievably, it was it was actually effective football. Um, and but I get it, I get it, I get his criticism. I get why you made your mind up and stuff like that because effectively it was a breakdown in management. You know, he couldn't manage these these group of players. But um, that 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 was just unforgivable for me for the players. It really was because I always go back to Gio saved so many players' careers, especially John Lundstrom. Like that, that's why like Lundstrom just really really annoyed me during that period. He was. 
was out the door and, and Gio gave him a chance and a different role and he just absolutely flourished and, and Lundstrom was one of the first to really shaft you and that just didn't sit, didn't sit well with me but it was I was a surprising it surprised you that uh, statistic Kevin? It did really yeah but at the same time what I would say to that is that Poster Cogler across the city has managed to get 97 points in 38 games this, this yeah. season so uh, th- that also you know alludes to perhaps that the squad, our squad's not good enough. And I'll tell you what we haven't uh, actually kind of spoken about was uh, that Celtic game. That I know it's coming, but you know that <laughs> our players that day. Not you know, Gio got it wrong. He absolutely did. But our players got it even more wrong that day. Um, so there was obviously a breakdown, Chris. That's what I'm saying. And. A, a proper breakdown in relationship, communication, and a number of things between Gio and his backroom staff and uh, that 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 team, that squad of players. That, that something happened, but I don't know what it was. Uh, but they stopped playing for him. The, of that, I have no doubt. In uh, right. the St Johnston game that you're talking about, uh, and I thought the Livingston game at home as well. I thought they. Would, it was literally only the last five or ten minutes that they decided that we better do something here yeah. uh, to get... <laughs> I think they could sense the crowd were going to blow, you know, they were going to explode, and they managed to get a goal with, what was it, four or five minutes to go Yeah, no. in that Livingston game. So, uh, you know, I, I feel quite sorry for Gio Van Bronckhurst uh, up to a point, but he wasn't for me, Chris. The, the style of football I didn't like. I didn't think it was conducive to getting uh, a consistent run of results uh, away from home yeah. where yeah. At, at home we'll dominate most games Chris but away from home we weren't dominating games playing no, that way that, 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 is, that is fair that is something that I can't really kind of come back to because the evidence speaks for itself um, so obviously that was it for that was it for Gio. Um, it was a kind of you know we were only too sure if Rangers were going to pull the the plug on Gio. We went into a World Cup break and he was still the manager, um, and just pretty much pretty much bang on the year anniversary of his appointment, he was he was let go, um, and Michael Beale took the reins um, as Rangers manager. Um, we had a bit of wait, obviously the World Cup was there, so we were kind of waiting on Beale to see what he could do. He had a pretty impressive start with QPR. Uh, we knew we, we knew of him, of course. Um, said all the right things, and it was just a case of right, look, is the season over? Possibly, but there's still a kind of you know the, the the door is still slightly ajar. We really have to go on a win and run here, and we have to beat Celtic at, at Ibrox, and it was a, a, a huge ask. That, we do go on the winning and run when the season resumes. We beat Aberdeen with the two last-minute goals. Sensational stuff. Um, we got into that game against Celtic. <coughs> Sorry, apologies. And um, Celtic obviously uh, get the, the kind of late equaliser. And that, for me, was season over, definitely. Uh, in, in league terms, there was no coming back for that, uh, from that, especially the, the consistency of the Celtic team. We win that day, I think it's a different story. I think we're well in the, the race for the title because it goes to six points and then obviously two all from games to go. Bill had shown that he, he can get a win and run together. So, um, like, I'm not going to blame Bill for that because obviously, um, as, as much as I, I believe the result on the day is probably Michael Bill's fault, if I'm being hypercritical, because I think his subs pretty much played into Celtic's hands, but it could only really pissed with the cocky had Kenny so I, I, I get that I, I get that argument so I'm, I'm certainly not going to be or Michael Beal cost us the league of course I think the damage was already done it was just that kind of that chink of light was still there and it just completely closed over um, it eclipsed and that was it it was over for me the kind of small pocket of Celtic fans celebrated that day as if they'd just won the league and you, you, you just knew it was over there was no coming back for that um, it was a right kick in the balls but it gave me a bit of hope that, you know, we really, really done well in that game. Um, it looked as if it was going to be another barren Celtic getting the early goal, obviously. Um, but the way we responded, I was really happy with. Um, but it was a it was a horrible way to have victory snatched um, from you. And, yeah, so there was a lot of work to be done after that, Kenny. Yeah, of course there was. Uh, and to be fair, I, I, I'm not going to... Um... I actually tend to disagree with you to a certain degree. I, I'm not sure we would have won the league even if we had won that game because I, I, we had so many injuries, Chris. We had a, a genuine concern uh, 
both on this pod and amongst the majority of the Rangers support that we were not a fit side. We we, we were nowhere near fit enough. Um, we were far too inconsistent. We were losing too many goals, uh, which just carried on all season. We just lost far too many goals all season. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, whether we would have, you know, challenged for the league or not, yeah, we might have get closer. Um, I, I just don't think we were going to get close enough, if you know what I mean. Um, and I was disappointed in the nature of that game because we, again, yeah, again, we just gifted them two goals. Um, there was a period where we were very much on top in the game. There was a period uh, where we weren't. Um, but it was very not- noticeable when uh, Celtic made their subs and, and Michael Beale tried to counter that, that on that day we got farther and farther and farther back and tried to defend what we had. And I'm going to be honest and say that under Poster Coglu, this Celtic team, that's the last thing you want to do because it's just inviting uh, trouble to your goal. <laughs> um, so, no, um, Michael Beale to a certain degree was to blame that day. I totally agree with that. I, and I, I've kind of alluded to this in this pod as well, where uh, it just seems to me that I, 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 you know, my feelings of Michael Beale, I really like him, but it just seems to me that when he gets it wrong, he kind of gets it all wrong on the day. Uh, and I thought to a certain degree, a number of decisions we made that day didn't quite cut it for me. Um, and it was an opportunity lost uh, to to close the gap. But whether it would have made a difference, I don't really know, to be honest with you, mate. Bill spoke a, a lot about getting four or five in, um, which was positive. Uh, what worried me was he said that nobody would leave. I, I, I didn't understand that. I think that strategy is, is, is kind of bit his nerves a wee bit because he's given him a lot more work to do this summer, trying to turn players over. I think a lot of players should have departed in January. Kent Morelos included. Uh, well, actually, Kent Morelos, um, definitely. Um, even if you get half a million each for the two, um, I, I, you, you've got to take that. I'm sorry, but that's better than losing them for nothing. Um, would the Rangers fans have been happy? No, but at the end of the day, you have to make smart business decisions and, and it's turned out that the business decision when it comes to Kent Morelos has not been a smart one. Um, but we decided to retain all the players. But as I say, Bill talked, he spoke, it was quite inconsistent. It was always minimum three. It was three or four or four or five. Um, he got two and he got two in the last minute. And by the way, those two, those two players are, are, are fantastic players. Um, Raskin, I have no doubt about it, he will have a big season next year. But Cantwell has just been phenomenal. Um, do you know, I, I, I'm going to go as far as giving Cantwell my player of the year, actually, to be honest. I really am. Uh, I just an unbelievable signing. Um, can he talk the boy up? Any more than I ever have. Um, he's he's uh, he, he's making me look forward to going to Ibrox again just to see him play. Um, and he is going to do some big big things in a Rangers jersey. But to wait to the last minute for two players when that squad badly needed players, Kenny, to to under deliver and what the manager was asking for just summed us up, didn't it? It summed us up who we were. It summed us up who was at the club. It summed up the incompetence. It summed up the out of touch nature that the guys who were wearing the suits. Um, viewed the situation as um, it was just an absolute shit show. How 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 we waited a full month, and this is the thing I don't. Celtic were in a position of strength, Kenny. They were top of the league by nine points. They had a good squad, a fit squad, uh, an injury free squad. They were romping it, and they played a player in that first old firm game in the second or third of January, whenever it was. They played they played a player that they signed that January. He made his debut in that game, and we sat about with our fingers up our ass and waited to the last days. Uh, that just we. I'm glad it's happened because we need to learn for that, and that cannot ever be allowed to happen again. Well, I, I would suggest that it's it's a major reason why the minute John Bennett's came in, uh, that a number of people were out the door because <clears throat> you know you've just said what you you know how you feel about it. You know how I feel about it. I totally agree with you. Uh, again, something that you didn't mention there, but and I know it's slightly in the future. But with another game against Celtic a few weeks later and they weren't fit enough to play in that. Whereas if we'd got them at the start of the window, they would have been fit enough to play in the, the, I think it was the cup final if I remember right. And, uh, you know, that's that's decision making at a higher level that's costing 
trophies, it's costing points, uh, and that's the that has been the major major issue at Rangers all season for me. That decisions are being made by Robertson, by Wilson, uh, that have literally been tantamount to neglect, actually, um, and that decision to wait uh, and get Todd Cantwell in was it the day before the deadline day. Raskin deadline day and, and Cantwell was the day before. Aye, that's what I was going to say. And uh, listen, that's disgraceful. Um, you you have mentioned the boy Johnson that, that played for them at Ibrox that day, but they had their big centre half, the Japanese guy, uh, on the bench as well. They're, they're the ones that are run romping the league. They're the ones that are, that are in a position of strength, and they're the ones that are strengthening their squad while we're sitting playing second fiddle and trying to play mind games with standard liège and, um, and Norwich. It's, it's just, it just kind of sums up our season, doesn't it? The, the thing is, I'm going to sum up Ross Wilson here because you brought up something that I wasn't actually going to mention because I forgot, but the standard liège situation with Raskin is on January the 1st, standard liège said 1.5 million in a sell-on. Do not come back to us. That's, that's the price. We lowballed them continuously all throughout January. We didn't open negotiations with Raskin. Raskin was out of contract this summer, so we had the right to open negotiations with Raskin. Didn't even attempt it. We wanted them in now. Um, the smart thing to for me would have been to open negotiations, get the pre-contract signed, and then go to Standard Liège. Um, but instead, we didn't. We kept lowball on Standard Liège, and then Kenny, we ended up paying in the 31st of January what they asked for on the 1st of January. What in the utter name of fuck is... I get negotiation, right? When you get to like the 10th to the 15th of January and, and they're no budging, you just go, right, I'll pay the money. To get to the 31st, I, how that guy even got a Premier League gig, I do not know. I think that's actually part of the, you know, what you're saying there is part of the way. Uh, it, it is just an absolute shit show. It, it, this is, this is a, how would I put it, this is a delusion of grandeur from Ross Wilson that we'll show them. Uh, but... The, the Belgian clubs have got far more money coming into their game than we do. Uh, and we're talking about a million and a half, two million, you know, a million and a half pounds here. Mm. Um, and they don't, they wouldn't have cared. This is, this is what I don't really, I can never really fully grasp or comprehend when it comes to Ross Wilson and his negotiations. It's just a nonsense, Chris. You've got an under-21 Belgian international that wants to move, wants to move to your club. He's been sitting saying from from day January 1, uh, yeah, I want to come, and we sign him on the 31st. The, the, the poor boy must have thought, this is ridiculous. Just, you know, do you want me or not? Because they're telling you there's a price, and you're sitting there humming and hawing about it. Absolute farce, honestly. And, you know, I, I, I really didn't want this to become the Ross Wilson, you know, shit show again. But, um, yes, yeah, I, I, I will genuinely blame or put the blame uh, for a number of the issues that Rangers had this season right at his doorstep I really would uh, and delighted he's away yeah absolutely so the window slammed shut and then the period between February and April was quite a destructive period for the season um, we literally got eliminated from every single trophy that we were in we lost the final of the League Cup we lost the the the, the game at Parkhead Um People say it was a final chance, really. No, the league was over, but it was still it still was an opportunity to put a bit of pressure on them. We lost that, and we then lost the Scottish Cup semi-final. Out of two trophies, league's done. Celtic then, obviously, are going to most likely, in all probability, go on and win the treble by defeating us in each competition we're in. It's it's, it's hard to take as an Rangers fan. We, it, it, it bloodies our nose. We are pride this up. Um, we don't like that. It's It's... A bitter pill to swallow, but we, there's nothing we can do about it. We just need to go on, go on with it. But at, at the same time, questions are starting to get asked about Michael Beale is under pressure, all this kind of stuff. Um, I think the pressure did ramp up a bit, and, and, and rightfully so, I have to say, because the, the semi-final, right, same mistakes, players, definitely the players' fault. Parkhead, I thought Beale got it spot on. Um, again, players fucked it. Um, the final, um, that's all on Michael Beale. Michael Beale, um uh, you know, again, I'm not being hypercritical. I think I'm, I'm kind of calling as I see it. That that, that was a disgrace that day. Um, that team lineup. 
I, I have no idea why Glenn Kamara and John Lundstrom started. I have no idea why Todd Cantwell and Nico Raskin were on the bench. Um, it was just, yeah, that it's one of those ones, Kenny. Sorry, we hindsight to say this, but I genuinely at the time felt it. So I seen the starting lineup. I knew we were getting beat. I just knew we were getting beat. I have no idea what uh, what Michael Beale was thinking. Um, I know that the the word is they weren't fit, Raskin and Cantwell, but they played decent amounts of minutes before the cup final. So you would expect at least kind of you can get 45, 60 minutes out of these boys. Um, I have to say, Todd Cantwell at no point in the season since he signed for Rangers, has looked as if he's been blown out his arse or if he's been struggling. He's just seamlessly went right in. Um, Raskin, to be fair, has looked a wee bit leggy at times and a wee bit tired. So um, you could have at least risked one of them. Don't understand the thinking there. And yeah, Kenny, it was over. All three competitions were eliminated. And the the ramifications of that, well, John Park stepped down. Ross Wilson left. Stuart Robertson stepped down. Craig Mulholland left. And Andrew Dixon, been there 20 odd years, he left. Uh, new chairman, John Bennett, and then a new CEO, James Bisgrove. And um, these two guys are not fucking about. And that's exactly what we've needed. And I have to say, the, the approach, the aggressive, um, how would I say, it's not, it's not a narrative, but the, I, I would actually use the word approach again. The aggressive approach that John Bennett has shown and his tenure as chairman so far, the ruthlessness of it, I would actually believe that has um, taken the pressure off Michael Beale because it's given the fans exactly what we want because we know exactly the problems that were that were there that were preventing guys from doing their job. I include Van Bronckhorst in that, include Michael Beale in that. Um, and this was an admission from John Bennett to say to the fans, I hear you and I agree with you and this is a change that's now happening. There is an element of risk here, too much change, but do you know what? I'd rather go with the risk of too much change than sit with the status quo of uh, let's just kind of take this easy and slow. A radical rip-up approach, um, that's that's all right with me, Kenny. It's all right for me too. Uh, what I would suggest again with that is um, that John Bennett, has made a a very public admission that there's a complacency up there. There's been a a, a far too noticeable pat ourselves on the back uh, with platitudes uh, kind of atmosphere up there that everything's hunky-dory, look what we're doing. Meanwhile, you know, we're not winning league titles, we're not winning cups, we're not winning trophies at all, we're getting humiliated in Europe this season. Um that there has to be, um, you've you've said it yourself about about Gio that uh, he wasn't to blame for that. I think that's also an, an admission from from John Bennett that it wasn't just Gio that was at fault. Ross Wilson was at fault. Robertson was at fault. Uh, higher up the food chain, there's been plenty at fault. Um, Dougie Park uh, stepping aside. There might well be an admission there that. He doesn't want to see the club um, be, and I, I'm trying to choose my words here, be quite uh, so as uh, quite as ambitious perhaps as John Bennett wants them to be. Um, we've got to be innovative at Rangers. We've got to be uh, chasing uh, the very best of people for every position within that football club that we can get. Now I'm under no you'll be the same. I'm under no illusions that we're going to go and get Pep as a manager or anything like that. But we've got to get the best people that can do the job that we need to do. And I think there's been a real admission uh, since John Bennett's come in, and fair play to him for it that we have not got those people in place at this, or we didn't have those people in place at that particular time. Um, and let's not kid ourselves. You know, we, we, we've got a wage bill, I think a football wage bill, something like 43, 42 million pounds. Uh, that's no return, trophyless uh, and humiliated in the Champions, Champions League. There's no return there for that kind of outlay. Uh, so heads had to roll. And I'm relieved, first and foremost, that, it's, that you know, that kind of call has happened. Uh, but I'm delighted that we've got someone in charge or two people in charge there in Bennett and Bisgrove that are quite prepared to make difficult decisions for the benefit of the football club, Chris, I really am. No, I, I agree with that, uh, Kenny. I absolutely agree with that. The, 
as I say, the season's over in April. We're out of all the trophies. Uh, we can't run anything. Bill starts to tinker the squad, bring some people in that we've not seen all season. Um, it, the end of season run is 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 absolutely what I expected. We bar the bar the Hearts game, we win all our games. In the Hearts game, we don't even lose. Um, and included in that is the final scalp on a Celtic, which. Was a, it was a nice day, but it, it meant very little. But it was good for Bill to get that kind of monkey off his back. It was good for Carmel to dominate that match so much. It's hopefully laying down a marker for things to come. Um, so they were the positives. Raskin played well that game as well. Yilmaz played well. McCrory played well. These are guys that are going to be here next season. Um, whereas the guys who won't be here next season, they didn't really feature in that game. So that 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 is, for me, a good sign. Um, probably Michael Bill might have a few regrets about that because he might have be thinking to himself, I should have played these guys a lot sooner. Um, but we'll never know. I'm not going to hold that against them either. Um, but it, it ended, you know, positively as positively can be. But obviously, um, we still never won anything ultimately. So it was, it's, it's just the season's finished. I can't wait for. Well, it is over now. Um, I do need a break for it. I do need a, maybe a couple of weeks of it, Rangers. I think we all do. I'm going to enjoy the excitement of the new signings that came in. The John Sterling, Kieran Dill already confirmed, Jack Butland on the brink. Um, that's free in before effectively the season's even finished because obviously the Scottish Cup is the last game of the season. So to actually have three players in for next season before this season's even finished is not something that Rangers have done previously in the past. So that I've got great optimism there. Um, you know, Dill for me unknown quantity so look forward to seeing him same as Sterling Jack Butler for me is ultimately an upgrade and that's what we need is upgrades we, we need a, 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 another four or five upgrades and if I can actually you know see these upgrades um, happening before my very eyes my confidence going next season will grow but by this time in two weeks I'll be Raring, uh, raring to go for the for the season to start, these Champions League qualifiers to start. I'll be really excited to see these new players, and then we do it all again. But for me, um, lessons lessons need to be learned from this season just past. They can never be allowed to happen again. Complacency is what I would call it. Um, there was a, a culture of backpatting and oh look how well we're doing, but that kind of fed from the complacency. Uh, these guys had their priorities all wrong. These guys were so fiscally or- orientated rather than trophy orientated. And um, look, for me, Kenny, I don't know about you, but it's simple. <clears throat> it's simple football economics. The more trophies you win, the more your revenue will be. It's a fact. And unfortunately, the guys who departed Rangers. They never quite understood that, did they? Um, which is bonkers in many sense of the word. But the guy who is now in charge certainly does understand it. A successful Rangers team will make more money than an unsuccessful Rangers team. Fact. You can't argue with it. It's fact. It's why Celtic are so cash rich. They've built up a dynasty over the last decade and they're reaping the, the rewards of that now. And we need to try and... Like we're not going to overtake this dynasty in the next five, six years, but we need to start eating into it and then hopefully we'll be creating our own one. That's the long-term plan. But the short-term plan is just start getting trophies back in that trophy room immediately. We cannot have another trophyless season. It's okay having a... Well, it's not okay, of course it's not, but it's understandable having a trophyless season under the likes of Mark Warburton, Graham Murray, Pedro Cassino, Stephen Gerrard's first season. But I've always said it, Kenny, from Stephen Gerrard's second season onward, there is now no excuse. This team has been heavily invested in. We've got good players there. It's just all about ruthless mentality from top to bottom, on and off the field. And we just didn't have enough of that over the last four or five years for me. Of course, there was highs, 55, Scottish Cup, Europa League final. Of course, massive highs, massive highs. Just wasn't enough. Not for a club like Rangers. And the players who remain, your Taverniers, your Goldsons, um, Cantwells, etc. They really, 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 and I know people will be saying that they should understand by now, I get that, but they really, really need to understand now that what they've achieved so far at Rangers has just not been enough. And it simply has to change because the patience of the Rangers fans for me is wearing so thin now. We all know what Celtic are closing in on. There's no point denying the elephant in the room with that. That just, that just can't be allowed to happen. And 
we've still got a bit of breathing space there. We've still got a gap so that they don't overtake what, what, what they're closing in on and ruthlessness, Kenny. Look, football isn't like any other business. Um, the performance on the field relates to, it directly correlates to, to your business. Uh, it's not the same as turning around and saying, right, we've got this deal and that deal and we're bringing an X and doing Y. It, it, it's utterly irrelevant. You're absolutely bang on with with that. The, the more trophies you win, the more money you'll make. Um, you have to be able to uh, disassociate the business actually to a certain degree and just concentrate on the football and let the business take care of itself because everything that you do at a football club commercially uh, and, you know, in a, a fiscal sense has to show a product on the park that's successful. Um, and we haven't been doing that for all that. We, we mentioned this in a deep dive, Chris, for all the, the year on year revenue streams are, are going up, it will cap out. And once it caps out, you you have a, a situation there where you, if you're still sitting trophyless, uh, make no mistake, if you're going to treat the supporters like customers, is which is what they've been doing to a certain degree, those customers who won't go elsewhere, they can't, they're Rangers supporters, but they start voting with their wallets and they start voting with their feet. And I think John Bennett's taken that on board uh, with a realisation that you can't get 45, 46,000 season ticket holders year in, year out, just because of blind loyalty, you have to entice them, you have to reward them. The only way a football club can reward its supporters is with trophies, with success. Uh, and I just hope that having endured such a deflating season, I'll call it that this season, uh, that the new powers that be in John Bennett and James Biscrove realise that and everything they do uh, is engineered and designed to succeed on the football pitch. Uh, and I do have a funny feeling that that is the mentality that the two of them have. So more power to them. I hope they, they succeed. And I'll disagree with you very slightly. I don't believe there is a gap. Uh, we still have a gap, to, uh, Chris. They, they, they will more than likely win this cup on Saturday. They will go one trophy behind us. Um, there are two league titles behind us. Uh, we are now at that point where you better do something about it because I don't think this uh, this board of directors or the you know these uh, investors have seen anything yet. If this is still the same in two years' time, there will be a meltdown, Chris. There really will, um, and that's that would be my take on it. Glad the season's finished. Looking forward to the new one. Delighted with the new signings that we already have. Um, but they better get it right. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? They yeah, need no. to get this right, Chris. They no. really do. They absolutely do. No, they absolutely do. Um, so that kind of concludes our first season as a podcast. So it's been great. I'd like to thank, obviously, everybody that's kind of uh, helped us get to where we are. We, we're at a growing stage, definitely are. Numbers are growing kind of week by week. It's pleasing to see. Um, exciting opportunities for us, um, certainly in the future. Some short-term, some long-term. We've got a few irons in the fire. I'd personally like to thank everyone connected with the pod. Um, so I'm going to try and miss everybody here. Obviously, producer Andrew, Kenny, yourself, Tom, Eddie, Dave, Scott. Um, obviously, Scott was a, a, a podcaster with his, um, he left um, this season, uh, before the season finished. Uh, obviously, his contributions were, were, you know, exceptional, really. Uh, he done great artwork for us, so um, I'd also like to thank him. Uh, the listeners have uh, been fantastic. Um, still blows me away that people actually want to sit and listen to me um, and my moans and groans and <laughs> obviously... The, the podcasters themselves putting up with me and digging me out of holes and helping me. A lot's been happening in my life the last couple of months. I'm obviously graduating. Um, I then get a job. I then get quite unwell. 
in each of those three situations, all you guys, Kenny, he's rallied around and he's really kind of helped make sure that the podcast kept going. And and as I always say, we do this through a labour of love. We don't get paid for it or anything like that. We're not actually looking to commercialise the, the pod um, overly. Uh, obviously, opportunities, you know, for, for commercialisation will be there. We'll take the ones that suit the needs of the podcast, but it's not going to be, you know, a James Bisgrove will not have a, a logo on every single thing that we can slap on it. Um, so, yeah, look, it's not been a great season on the field to podcast on, but what gives me hope is the lows that we've endured uh, this season. When you flip it, the highs will come again, and they will. They will. It's just it's just the nature of the beast in Glasgow. Um, our time will come again. I hope it is next season. You know, the, the, the prospect of podcasting on happy events is <laughs> it's, it's quite exciting. So, look. This this kind of brings the curtain down another season. We will obviously resume pretty quickly as well. I mean, maybe a week or two weeks off, but we will resume before pre-season starts uh, with a couple of deep dives. We've got a couple of ideas there from some of the guys that we will get into just to kind of keep your Rangers content flowing over the summer because I know it'll be quite scarce. And then we're going straight into pre-season. Um, kind of just we'll, we'll be talking about new signings obviously talking about training camps talking about friendly games talking about Champions League draws um, talking about fixture lists being re- revealed um, talking about the new kits they're imminent as well a lot of exciting stuff coming up uh, in, in Rangers land um, so Kenny thanks very much mate to you personally obviously I've thanked everybody there including yourself but you're the only one on tonight so I can only really thank you in person so thanks very much for all your support mate not at all Thanks for having me on, Chris. I've thoroughly and thanks for inviting me uh, to contribute in your podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. It's been it's been a great experience, and uh, looking forward to next season again. And yeah. it's a good t- good bunch of boys on here. I I will be honest, Kenny. I, I I don't rate you as a podcaster, but I get a good hair. <laughs> so is that right? You're a necessary. Really, <laughs> 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 no, you know I'm only kidding. You know I'm only kidding. Um, no, it's been great. Um, as always, if you can follow us, like us, or subscribe to us on any of our social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're on TikTok, YouTube, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Apple Podcast followers and any of that. Um, and as I say, we will be back in the next couple of weeks. So thanks for all your support this season. Cheers.